0: I can't tell you when you're horrid. You know when you're hurried. I know when I'm horrid. Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, and time is the one thing horrid people don't have.
1: Hey, beautiful people. Welcome back to Sundays with the Gathering. I'm Hannah Hunter, the director of Digital Reach here at The Gathering Place in Palm Beach Gardens. This week, we're continuing our series on the art of neighboring. And we're blessed to have Brother Kevin Peck bring us the message on the time barrier, overcoming the obstacles of excuse, hurry, and distraction in our lives so that we may love those around us well. Good
0: morning, church. In the book, The Art of Neighboring, and specifically the topic that I'm speaking on today, time barrier, the author begins with this sentence. The number one obstacle to neighboring well is time. Let me repeat, and I want these words to resonate with you. The number one obstacle to neighboring well is time. Pray with me, please. Almighty God, let me decrease and you increase. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our strength, and redeemer. You see, two, three months ago when I met with Pastor Mike, a few days later, someone said it's hard to say no to Pastor Mike, and it's true. (laughs) I never thought when he said I'm building a preaching team that it would be in August. I thought it's gonna be two years a year from now and get my life together, get things straightened out. Then, less than a month ago, John gave me a book. This is the book that we're gonna be preaching from. Oh man, this is quick. So here I am today. So you might be wondering, how did I get here? It's not because of my own doing any, you know, not because I'm a great speaker or anything like that. It's just because it's it's hard to say no to Pastor Mike. (laughs) I know he's listening, so I'm making sure that he gets this message across. <laughs> As I prepared for this message, and specifically the topic time barrier, the obstacles that prevents us from neighboring well, and the main one is time, I start to ponder on the definition of the word time. And today I want to share with you two definitions. One is the Oxford definition, and secondly is what I think is the biblical definition. See, I didn't, I didn't use Merriam-Webster. I looked at her definition too, but I, I used Oxford. We're going back to England. Oxford said that time is the measured or measurable period during which an action, process, our condition exists or continues. But in the Bible, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, and I want you to take your Bibles out from the pew, or if you carried your Bible with you to worship today, I know we are, it's going to be on the screen, and I know that we have our devices, but I'm encouraging you, if you have your Bible, please take it out. And we're going to read Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through the five. Let me know when you have it ready. Here beginneth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, listen to what God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Simple definition. Night and day. Time. And with that he gave us a command. Great command we call it in the church. To love him with all our heart, mind, soul, body and strength. And who can say the other one? Remember, this is an interactive thing today. What's the other command? Love thy, love thy neighbor as thyself. I love this church. They know their Bible. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And with that second command, that is what we're talking about in this book and in the sermon series. Loving your neighbor as yourself or loving your neighbor. And so with this time, this, this, this barrier, this obstacle of time, I have three hurdles I love sports, so I'm gonna use the term hurdle. Not 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 ten as in the 110 meter hurdles. Only three. I'm only giving you three hurdles that you have to negotiate today in order to love or to eliminate that obstacle of time and to love your neighbor. The first is make no excuses. You see, we're good at it. I'm speaking to myself here. I make excuses. Why don't I know my neighbor? They're obnoxious. (laughs) You see, as I was thinking about this, I asked myself the question why don't I know my neighbor? Why am I not loving my neighbor as I should? And these are the questions that I came up with. And I want you to think about your own excuses as I go through mine. They're obnoxious. They play loud music. They're drinking outside. They smoke weed. They're not Jamaicans. All these excuses. (laughs) What is your excuse? You see, the greatest example of loving our neighbor is found in Jesus, the one who we called our Savior, if we're, if we're so-called Christians. Jesus did not make excuses. I'm sure you're familiar with the story about the woman at the well. And Jesus retreated to that well, and he was sitting there, or standing. The Bible did not say so. But this woman came by night, as we all know. And Jesus did not make an excuse. The first thing Jesus said was, give me some water. No excuse. He didn't didn't look at her and send, because remember, she was outcast. She was not Jews, and Samaritans were not friends. They did not plant gungu at line, according to Jamaicans. They did not cross borders. Jews on this pew, Samaritans on this pew. But Jesus said, give me water. I don't care about your condition. I don't care that you're not Jamaican. I don't care you play loud music. Give me water. So I'm encouraging you not to make excuses. If Jesus did not make excuses, then I don't need to make excuses. I need to make an effort to get to know my neighbor, even though I think they're obnoxious. I need to make an effort to get to know my neighbor. That is a clear example Of not making excuses found in that story Jesus gave about the woman at the well. The second hurdle that you're gonna jump over, and I hope you're thinking about your excuses, because I'm coming back to you at the end of this message. The second hurdle that we're gonna eliminate is the hurdle of hurry. How many of us here are in a hurry? Can't wait for my sermon to be finished. And I'm going to keep you here until 3 o'clock, tell pastor. That's my excuse for him not to put me up here again, okay? But we're always in a hurry. Again, I'm speaking to myself. I'm in a hurry always. My family is here with me. I can tell you I try to pack everything in a day and more. But John Ortberg got it when he said, hurry is a sickness. Listen to John Artberg. Hurry is a sickness, and he continues, he says, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, and the time, and time is the one thing horrid people don't have. Love takes time, and time is the one thing hurried people don't have. Everything that you're hearing, every, we have, for our lives, every example is in the Bible. Let's look at how Jesus deals with not hurrying. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse thirty, verses 38 through to 42. Again, I implore you, if you have your Bibles, see, I'm making it hard for you. You won't come back, I'm sure, Pastor. <laughs> Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. This is the famous story of two sisters, Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to the village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that he had to be made, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Listen to Jesus' words to, to Martha. Martha, she didn't call her name once. You know when you our daughter is here, you know when you um when you say to your kids, you call their name twice, you know, you know something serious. You know, you know, my mom's here too. You know, they're trying to get your attention. You're in trouble. She said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. He did not say that Martha was doing anything wrong. He said she has chosen what is better. See, when, we, when we're hurried, we miss the point. We miss the message. I'm sure if I was in Martha's shoes and Jesus is coming to my house, I would be preparing a whole year. There would be gospel music playing in the house. TBN would be on television. I would be practicing with Georgia, you know, no fighting in the house. We'd be saying the right things, you know. Everything would be, we would rehearse our conversation. She did not say she wasn't doing anything wrong. She was preparing, but she was worried. She was hurried. She wanted to get everything perfect. And Jesus is saying, relax, relax. Mary is here. She's learning. She's gathering the wisdom that she needs to gather right? So even though you're preparing, you're doing the right thing, but take it easy. Don't be running around, you know, back home, they would say, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, right? Take it easy, relax. And so we have to, if we want to have time to neighbor well, we have to remove hurry from our lives, right? The example is there. I'm not making it up, We have to learn to remove hurry, quiet our spirits, and take some time. Jesus, if you notice, Jesus always takes time away. He always retreated. There were times when the crowd needed him. What did he do? He took time away. And there were times when the disciples thought that he should leave the crowd and go retreat, and he did the reverse. He attended. So you have to know. I can't tell you when you're hurried. You know when you're hurried. I know when I'm hurried, and this—I'm reading this book. I recognize that I'm living at a frantic pace that, honestly, I will never be able to sustain. So I know I have to remove hurry from my own life. See, I'm—I'm I'm standing here today. I'm not standing here speaking righteous. I'm speaking, speaking here. I'm speaking to myself. Okay. Michael Jackson said the famous song, and you know it. I'm talking to the man in what? In the mirror. All right? So I'm hoping that I'm not hurrying through this message today. And the third thing that, the third hurdle that we're going to jump today is that of limit distractions. And once I'm finished, Then you'll be able to, you'll have completed uh, your 110 meter hurdles, and I'm sure you would be the winner. But seriously, the third is distractions. Now, for me, this is a big one. How many of us have our devices, headphones in, walking? Good morning, hi, hello. We never look anyone in the eye anymore. We never take the time to stop and to say brother how are you doing this morning? Is there anything I can help you with? We are so consumed with distractions and the author in this book make a great illustration. He loves sports just like me. I'm a sports junkie. Everything that is called a ball I follow. Right? I have all sports up on my phone. I Follow every sport you can think of, almost. And so, my phone is always on notification because in Europe, you're six hours ahead, right? So when I should be sleeping, there's cricket playing, there's soccer playing, and there's notifications going off all night. One of the things I had to do a couple years ago was make that decision. I don't need to know every score. I don't need to follow... Every sport. If I miss a game tonight, I can catch the, sc- the score in the morning. And that's just my example. We live in a world where we're constantly distracted. We're here right now and we're thinking about what we're going to do when we get out of worship. Kevin, please hurry up because I got the rice and peas to cook. I got to take to I got to go to dinner. I have friends to see and places to go, as I would say, where all we were so distracted, our minds are constantly consumed. I'm encouraging you, this hurdle, when you leave here today, think about it. What is it that I'm distracted by? If Jesus, in his day... Took time out, and you know why Jesus took time out because He made time to be interrupted. We don't make any time to be interrupted anymore. I need to be at work at eight o'clock in the morning. Georgia can tell you sometimes she calls me at seven thirty. She's like, "What are you doing? You're spinning," because I'm still there. I'm leaving at seven thirty-five. I don't make time to be interrupted. What if I'm driving down the road and someone have a flat tire? Can I stop to help them? No, because I'm in a hurry. I'm. We need, Jesus took time away to to, to be interrupted. There were times when he did not expect to heal somebody or he did not expect to be called upon for some other miracle or services. But he made that time to be interrupted. We no longer make time to be interrupted. 24 hours a day is planned out. Take I have a planner that I walk with. Seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. We're up, and we never make any time to be interrupted. But there are people out there who need, we need to make space for, we need to make time to be interrupted. What if I decide to walk out in my house at 7:15, keep my phone in my bag, walk over to my neighbor as she drives out and say, Is there anything I can help you with? How was your day? How was your night? Good morning. Start a conversation that might lead to a lasting relationship. I might learn something about my neighbor that I didn't know. And then I might not think that they're obnoxious. We need to limit our distractions. As I come close to the end, And as you think about these, removing these three things that I think are barriers or hurdles, call them hurdles, excuse my sports jargons, right? Make no excuse, eliminate hurry, and limit distractions. And you start to formulate relationships with your neighbor. And in this series, I know when we use the word neighbor, biblically, we're talking about. Everyone we come in contact with. But this book is specifically talking about those that live amongst us. And I know John um, got into details about our neighbors last week. So this is what we're talking about here, those that live amongst us. There's two things I want you to think about in the coming weeks. First, you got to get to know your neighbor, right? And then these are the two things I want you to do. Who can I help? Have we ever asked ourselves that question? Who can I help? And secondly, who can I impact? Who can I help? People in this, we need, people out there need help. And and trust me, you have something that can change lives. My lives have been changed by some great people that have, from back home to today, that have made an impact, lasting impact, that I will carry for the rest of my life? And also, who can I help? You see, there is growing up in Jamaica, they teach us about no man is an island, no man stands alone. We live in a world where we say, I can do bad by myself. I do it all. I need no help. Everyone needs help. All right, so I want you to think about that. There are people out there who need help and also need to be impacted. Growing up, there is a hymn as a children's hymn. They used to let us, every Sunday there was a children's time and you had to go up and sing a children's hymn. It's in the middle of the Methodist hymn book. But I want to, I'm not going to sing because you all would be out of here by the first verse. So I'm going to read it for you. But there's a particular verse I want you to say with me. He said, God make my life a little light within the world to glow a little flame that burneth bright wherever I may go. God, make my light a little flower that giveth joy to all, content to bloom in native bower, although the place be small. God, make my life a little song that comforteth the sad, that helpeth others to be strong and makes the singer glad. this is the verse that I want you to listen. I'm going to ask you to say it with me after. God make my life a little staff whereon the weak may rest, that so what health and strength I have may serve my neighbors best. If you don't mind, say it with me, please. God make my life a little staff whereon the weak may rest, that so what health and strength I have may serve my neighbors best. Loving our neighbor is not a choice, my brothers and sisters. It is a command, God bless.
1: Hey, beautiful people. This is Hannah Hunter. I'm the director of Digital Reach here at The Gathering Place in Palm Beach Gardens. Thank you for joining us this week. We love getting to share our journey in Christ and community with you. And if you're in the Palm Beach area, we would love to get to connect with you in person at our Sunday worship service at 1115. For more information about our community and faith, check out our website at thegatheringplacefl.org. Thanks for listening.